Next on BYU Sports Nation, the biggest, most prominent, most critical unanswered question left for BYU football before the 2018 season begins. Blaine Fowler joins us right here in Studio B to help us get ready for Saturday's Duel in the Desert. And don't forget about Destination Laramie. Is it a good thing to have Wyoming back on the BYU football schedule? We'll discuss. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, August 29th, wherever and however you are connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who is better known as a desert survival expert, Jason Shepard. I do like to think of myself as the Bear Grylls of <laughs> BYU Sports Nation. Yes. What was the Minus name? the accent, of course. What's the what's the the actual name of the crocodile hunter? Steve Steve Irwin. Yes. See, when I wrote that, I was envisioning you doing your Steve Irwin Irwin uh impression. Dropping a couple crankies and <laughs> This he is the fierce snake. One bite from him and it's all over. As he's like dangling it in front of his face. Australian accent is the number one accent I would want. Seriously, why, I, why I, want, is that? I I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I have I have an unhealthy obsession with wanting an accent. Okay. Australian, I'll take British, that's fine. But one of the two. It's it's unhealthy. Well, it would drive home val- like validation and credibility to your uh, desert survival expert title. You ever watched Bear Grylls? I have. I like I like Bear Grylls. You got to be certifiably insane to do what he does. <laughs> the guy was a former British special ops guy. <laughs> He's like taking celebrities out, like you know, jumping off cliffs. Yeah, great. <laughs> hey, the theme of the show today is crazy. Okay, <laughs> we've set it up beautifully, and now present today's top stories across BYU Sports Nation. How's this for crazy? BYU football season opener, now one day closer. Nope, not doing it yet. The Cougars <laughs> at Arizona this Saturday at 9, excuse me, 10.45 p.m. Eastern, Jason. It's a late kickoff, but why not watch college football all day long and then end it with your favorite team, the BYU Cougars? Absolutely. BYU, speaking of your favorite team, BYU football and Wyoming have agreed to a home-and-home series that will be in 2022 and 2024. Yes, the men from Laramie. BYU Batcat alumna Taylor Cole pitched three scoreless innings for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim last night in a loss to the Colorado Rockies, but it's good to have him back yes. in the bigs and performing well, no less. Yeah, I really needed the Angels to win that game for my Cardinals in wild card. And the USTF CCCA, or the U.S. Track and Field and Cross Country Coaches Association, okay. like I need to tell you that, mm-hmm. ranked the BYU men's cross country team second in the nation and ranked women's cross country 16th overall in the preseason polls. Nice. Good start for men and women's cross-country at BYU. BYU, by the way, trails only defending national champion Northern Arizona in that poll. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. This is for you, Jason. Straight up, now tell me. Countdown to the Wildcats. 
three days away. Thank you, Paula. You're welcome. And what's a show without a little Paula Abdul uh, injected into the energy of it? Three days away, <laughs> BYU at Arizona, zero hour nears. With that in mind, Jason, what is the biggest unanswered question right now as we head into the 2018 BYU football season? How can it be anything other than what is this offense going to look like? It's the biggest unknown, biggest unanswered question right now for me. There's no bigger unknown than what this offense can do right out of the gate. Look, we can watch 7-on-7 or 11-on-11, but what does this offense look like against an opponent? Is the offense going to be conservative in nature? How will Tanner Manga manage the offense? How will the running backs be used? Will Will they be utilized more in the passing attack? I think they will, but we just don't know that. Will there be a big time playmaker emerging? All of these things are unknowns, and we've got little pieces that we see towards the end of of fall camp practices, but until they take the field in Tucson Saturday night, we just don't know what to expect. All right, Jason, let's do a lightning round. What's the most prominent position of any football team? Quarterback. Ah, yes. And what side of the ball does the quarterback play on? That would be offense. (laughs) Okay. For eight months, what (laughs) did we wonder BYU would do? What was the number one question for eight months before we found out that Tanner Mangum was the guy? Quarterback? Yeah. (laughs) So where do you think I'm going with my answer on the biggest unanswered question? Uh, Linebacker? (laughs) Oh, so close. (laughs) So close, man. My number one unanswered question heading into BYU football three days away from Arizona is, which Tanner Mangum leads the offense Mm -hmm. that you very aptly put out there has several of their own unanswered questions? Which Tanner Mangum shows up? What's his mentality? Uh, How does... He look against Arizona's speed pass rush. We've, we don't know which Tanner Mangum is going to show up. And for the offense to work right, typically the quarterback has to do his part. That helps. It, it <laughs> so helps. If Tanner Mangum's not ready to roll, then we're not going to find out a ton about the entirety of the BYU offense. It starts with Tanner. So while your question is number one, I think the quarterback is uh, I don't know, just above that. So uh, the offense is a subtopic. It could, it, it could very easily be the chicken or the egg. How will the offense – feels like Yeah, that. how will the offense look, and then how will Tanner play under that, or how, will Tan, how does the offense look with it's, – it's both. It, it kind of – they're synonymous with each other because, as you mentioned, the, the offense usually goes the way the quarterback goes. But there's, there's so – we, t- we had the discussion yesterday in terms of, you know, how realistic is it that Tanner gets back to what we saw in 2015? We- there's just no way to answer that question. I said yesterday, I think he'll be the most prepared he has been since being at BYU heading into this year. How that translates still remains to be seen. Yes, I think he has a better grasp of the entirety of the offense and Jeff Grimes' playbook compared to how he understood the yep. playbooks in previous years because – He's put in a lot of work, but he's facing the most difficult schedule in the history of BYU football on the road. Okay, on road specific there. So we'll we'll see. I mean, you have to kind of. There are so many moving parts. 
you have to weigh things differently based on the level of the opponents. But which Tanner Mangum shows up at Arizona in game number one against the Wildcats speed rush, which Kevin Sumlin thrives on. He loves to bring speed on the blitz. You just mentioned Jeff Grimes, and it's almost like you knew where we were going. When Coach Grimes was hired as the new offensive coordinator, everybody knew that as a former offensive line coach, there was going to be an emphasis, emphasis put on the play of the O-line. And yesterday during BYU football with Kalani Satake, Coach Satake said that that emphasis is not by accident. There's a reason why I hired an offensive line coach <laughs> who's probably one of the best offensive line coaches in college football as our offensive coordinator. And so uh, we built a lot of our strength off of, the, off of him and what he can do. And he added a guy that, that he coached in Ryan Pugh at O-line and Offensively, we'll start from there and we'll, we'll put all the pieces around a physical line and see what happens. Spencer, what do these comments from Kalani Satake tell you about what we can expect from the BYU offense? Number one, expect BYU to play smash mouth football. This should not be breaking news to any fan across BYU Sports Nation that Jeff Grimes, coming from a long tenure in the SEC, wants to establish a ground-and-pound, hard-nose, smash-mouth run game. And guess what? It is to BYU's advantage against the likes of Arizona, who is not typically a super-physical team, and with their head coach Kevin Sumlin in place, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon because they focus on speed and athleticism. It's not all about strength. BYU's advantage is they've got... A bunch of 6'5", 300-plus-pound guys up front. They feel like they can take it at Arizona. I think they will take it at Arizona. So with the offensive line as an advantage in matchup against the Wildcats, expect a smash-mouth run game on Saturday. Might not be super flashy, super fun, Wild West shootout, but I think that's exactly what BYU wants to do. Pound. It on the ground, control the clock, control the tempo, and let the big boys up front do work. That is where BYU can expose Arizona. Let me set this up just just a little bit. This has been a process of sort of changing what the offensive line looked like and performed like since Kalani Satake took over. Towards the end of Bronco Mendenhall's tenure, the offensive line looked a lot different than what we're used to seeing. They were much leaner. They were smaller in terms of weight. And it was more about athleticism and quickness. Once Kalani took over and under Coach Empey, they started to try and get bigger again and more physical. It was, it was a transformation. And that has certainly been the case once again this offseason under Coach Grimes. So what that tells me is they want to dominate up front. BYU historically, offensive line-wise, has dominated up front, and they want to get back to that. And what that does, if the offensive line is the force that I think they are going to be this year, it will anchor everything that the offense wants to do. It will help with the rushing attack. It will help to get those holes that the, rush, the rushers can, can find. It helps with pass protection. It gives Tanner Mangum the opportunity to survey the field, make the best decision. It all starts with the offensive line. Dominating up front right from week one is exactly what they're looking to do. I want to give a shout-out to Mike Empey as yeah. well. A lot of these guys in place are yep. Mike Empey yep. recruits, including his son James. Yep. 
and Jacob Jimenez and Thomas Schoaf and Chandon Herring and Brady Christensen. Like the empty effect along with what Jeff Grimes and Ryan Pugh have come in with those guys and done. Yeah, credit to all of those guys on the previous staff and the current staff. BYU has an advantage in their ability to be physical up front against Arizona. They're not going to be faster. They're not. It's never going to happen. But they can outpower them or, I guess, uh, work their magic in the trenches against Arizona. They want to overpower. Yes. They want not, not illegally, but be nastier up front. They do. The big beauties. Yeah. Let's get it done. I still like big uglies better. BYU and Wyoming, Jason, announced yesterday a two-game future series with the first game set for late September in 2022 to be played at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo. BYU returning the favor in Laramie <laughs> in September of 2024. What is your reaction beautiful. to the home and road series? You're welcome, Jerem Jordan. <laughs> announced yesterday with the Cowboys of Wyoming. Here's my first reaction. There's two wins. <laughs> yeah, there's a win in 2022 and 2024. Look, I mean, it certainly makes sense to get games with the Mountain West Conference. BYU has games scheduled already, obviously, with Boise State, San Diego State, UNLV. Why not keep that pipeline going with their former conference? Why not keep that alive? I mean, that makes total sense. And it also rekindles the bad blood that Cowboy fans have with BYU. They do not like BYU. <laughs> and here's the thing. I have actually experienced a game, a BYU football game in Laramie. Every story that you've heard about how bad it is, I am here to let you know it is 100% true. <laughs> it is the most hostile environment that I have seen BYU play a football game in. And that includes the school that you know I'm referring to up north. If we're going to play that game. Really? Seriously. It is like it it was every every bad story you've heard, it is spot on. War Memorial Stadium. Yeah. yeah. Wow. They do not like BYU at all. I, but hey, two wins, so there we go. Honestly, I, I like the series. <laughs> I think it's fun to rekindle the Rocky Mountain rivalry with Wyoming. There is bad blood there. Mm-hmm. It's fun. There's a reason that on NCAA football <laughs> 2009 through 16 or whatever, it would show up as one of their rivalry games when you played against the Cowboys on your PlayStation 3 or Xbox. It is. It's a rivalry. So I like that BYU has established that. It's not going to happen for a while. But even bigger than that, Jason, and I put out my tinfoil hat guy theory once again yesterday on Twitter, and I brought this up originally when – uh, the series was first rumored uh, a few months ago. Now it's official. And that is BYU's 2024 schedule, much to the liking of Jerem Jordan, <laughs> looks pretty uh, winnable in terms of top to bottom. And people say, whoa, 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 Spencer, there are only six games announced. You know, Hawaii, Georgia Southern, Wyoming, NC State. You can go ahead and throw on probably Utah probably Utah State, and probably an FCS foe. So there are like nine. Maybe Boise State's rivalry series continues because the last year of the 12-year contract is 2021, so maybe Boise State makes it into 2022. And I'm looking at that schedule. If you add those four teams to the six already there, I'm thinking, 
Every single one of those games is winnable for BYU. That is a favorable schedule. And what happens if BYU does something magical right before the majority of the Power 5 TV contracts are going to be renegotiated and realignment in college football is most likely to happen? What then? Where is BYU if they are looking beautiful on this silver platter as the darling of college football? Jason, are you buying into my tinfoil hat there that maybe 2024 is purposefully being set up as an opportunity for BYU to impress the nation. Blue goggle alert. Love it. Blue goggle alert. Love exactly what you're saying. We need some more of that blue goggle ice cream that we had yesterday. That would be perfect for this conversation right now. All right. Hey, there's a reason why people that play Wyoming, a lot of people that play Wyoming, will stay in Denver or Fort Collins and then just drive in. Hey, I do do know that they have built some new hotels in Laramie. So shout out to the folks of Laramie for the upgrade. What's up, Caitlin? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they, they will keep the light on for you in Laramie. I was going to make a similar joke. So. <laughs> question of the day. What is your biggest unanswered question going into the 2018 BYU football season? This is the Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Stephen SB in on Instagram. Will BYU's offensive and defensive lines be able to compete against elite competition? Last year against Wisconsin, LSU, and Utah, they got manhandled. Okay, BYU has several elite competitors on the schedule this year, the majority of those on the road, including Wisconsin and Utah and Boise State. What about Cal and Arizona? And I don't know, Washington is amazing, but I don't, no, if they are of the caliber of Wisconsin and Utah physically, we'll see. They, they beat you in several other ways, but are they as physical? I don't know. Maybe Blaine Fowler can answer that question. Huh? Absolutely. He's coming up next. We'll get his biggest unanswered question when he joins us. And Senior Associate Athletic Director Liz Darger will join us in Studio B to talk about not one, but two number one teams coming to Provo to take on the Cougars this week. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The season debut of Countdown to Kickoff Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on BYU TV. Dave, Blaine, and Brian will be in Studio C. I'll also be joined by a guy you may know. His name is Spencer Linton. He will be live from Tucson. I'll have your weather report. And right now, three days away, it's calling for low 90s (laughs) at kickoff time and a chance of scattered thunder showers leading into the game. So it could be a little bit humid as well in Tucson. That's awesome. Humidity and heat in Tucson. (laughs) Woo! We are live from Studio B. This is your BYU Sports play-by-play. Spencer Linton alongside Jason Shepard. If you missed the show, Download the podcast, watch it by going to BYUSN.com and experience BYU Sports Nation whenever, wherever you want. Answer our question of the day, won't you? What is your biggest unanswered question going into the 2018 BYU football season? Caleb Perkins answers on Facebook. Is Tanner Mangum going to be as great as he was his freshman year and bring the team a positive impact on the year? Hashtag BYUSN, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That was my biggest question, is which Tanner Mangum is going to show up for BYU? I think it's the Tanner Mangum we've been talking to the last couple of days. Which is? No, that guy. I think he will be the one that's down there. <laughs> Jason, don't, don't do that. That's the Jerem Jordan thing. Don't, don't do that. 
okay, we need to break away from this and bring in the elite Blaine Fowler, dual threat analyst, national champion at BYU. Uncle B is back in studio. Be nice to have you on the show, Blaine. Good to be here. Did you guys put me low again? Um, uh, no, because I feel like I'm looking up to you guys, and I um, and I kind of have an inferiority complex right now. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like I am looking down on. Okay, you good, because right I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm looking at that shot right there, and I'm like, I might be really, really low today. I That's mean, okay, though. Typically in life, you're looking down on. I'm gonna, me, so I'm, I'm, gonna I'm gonna this. play up though. Is what I'm gonna do right <laughs> okay. now. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, let's just start with our question of the day. What's your biggest unanswered question for BYU football going into the season three days away from Arizona? It's the same thing that I asked at the very beginning of camp, and I'm not sure it's a question I could have had answered in camp, and that is, are they going to be really good in the defensive front four? Mm. And, and I feel good about the four starters. So we had the starters name, Kafusi and Peely have both played a lot at the end. You got Kairos on the inside, who he's still got to play himself into a little bit better shape, but I think he will. And then Albakri was a big surprise, and I, and I, but that guy was just relentless. I love his toughness that'll bring. So I look at those first four, and then I think to myself, you kind of have to have seven or eight to be really as good as you want to be. You have to be able to rotate guys through. If you're going to have a consistent pass rush in the second half and be able to stop the run in the second half, you need seven or eight guys up front. And so I'm waiting to see. And the reason you don't find that out in camp is because they don't very often let them hit the running backs and actually tackle to the ground and play full go because you don't want to get guys hurt. So we don't know until Saturday night. That's my unanswered question. It was at the beginning of camp. I still don't know. After Saturday night, I think I'll know a little bit better. Well, who are some of those guys behind the four? I know Devin Kafusi's in the mix. Devin, De- it's interesting because you take a Kafusi out and you replace him with a Kafusi. Now he's a little bit smaller than Corbin, but I, but but I think he he can come off the edge. There, there's talk that to, to Tavita Mongo, who I thought was going to be big, might be redshirting, and so I was looking to him. I mean, these these are these are why I I have those questions. Um, so I don't know. I don't know who's going to – they've got 10 or 11 guys they've been rotating through, and, and we see a depth chart. And I'm like, I'm not so sure that that is the depth chart. The, the first four, first of all, have to play unbelievably well. Um, but they have to be able to spell those guys. And so I, somebody's going to emerge in that second group of six or seven guys. We're going to go, oh, good, thank goodness there is depth there. I don't know who it is. I don't know who it is right now. You mentioned Bracken Elbakery as one of the surprises. Is there anything else that jumped out to you, surprise or not, when BYU released its depth chart heading into this week? Not, not anything, because I've been kind of watching it all, all fall. That was probably the biggest surprise to me, but not a surprise at the point that the depth chart came out. If you would have asked me at the beginning of fall camp, what does the depth chart look like, um, I would have been very surprised that he would be there. But after watching him in fall camp, I'm not. The other one, if, you've, if I'd gone back to the beginning, I didn't know how good Holker was going to be. And, and now I look at him and I'm, I'm thinking, he's a big-time contributor. I don't want to put too much hype on him, but I'm, I'm saying the same things about him that I was saying about Matt Bushman at the end of fall camp. I'm like, this kid's going to contribute in a big, big way. He is a mismatch out on the field. And so the surprise when the depth chart came out, it's hard for me because I was at every single practice except for one. I saw those guys earn the spots, so I'm not surprised by the two deep. But if you ask me to take a three-week look in the rearview mirror, what changed that I thought surprises me? Holker being as integral a part of the offense as he's going to be and Al Bakri being as integral a part of the defense as he's going to be. Outside of that, it's about what I thought. All right, there are two parts to this next question for you, Blaine. And the first just deals with strictly Arizona and what type of Arizona team you expect to show up as they begin with a new head coach, Kevin Sumlin. And the second part I want you to answer is what's the biggest advantage BYU has against Kevin Sumlin's team 
in his first year. So what, what do I expect out of them? This is a big transition be, because um, Mazzone, who's the offensive coordinator, he they were really balanced and maybe even pass-heavy at every place that he's been. Um, and so now he comes to a team that he inherits that was a run-based football team. They were number one in the Pac-12 in rushing offense, number three in the country, and the worst passing offense in the Pac-12. So they were not balanced last year in any way, shape, or form, but they were a phenomenal run football team. If they're going to reach, you know, if they want to compete for a Pac-12 South title and compete with USC and in and, and Utah, they have to have more balance. And so they're going to try to throw the ball more than they did last year. They rushed for 309 yards a game last year. Man. And, and they still have those same weapons, but what they don't have from that run-based offense last year are any of the returning starting five linemen that at least not against BYU. They, their center is coming back, who has experience. They got a veteran tackle, but they're both not playing in this game starting night. So BYU will face five guys on that offensive line that were not starters last year with very limited experience. And so I don't know that you can just load up and ride that offensive line and run at BYU. Even though I'm wondering about that front four, I think the, the first four are good, and I really like BYU's backers. So so I'm looking to see if they can balance it out. If Arizona can balance it out and Tate can be a thrower, it, it will be interesting. I think that's a big challenge, especially early in the season. I'm really glad BYU's playing them in game one mm. and not game six after these guys have a chance to figure things out because I, I really uh, feel very confident about the coaching staff at Arizona. That's a really good staff. Tanner Mangum, obviously, is the starting quarterback. What is realistic to expect from Tanner heading into game one, and can he get back to the form we saw in 2015? Well, I think he can. He's way trimmer. He's moving around better. Um, and, and frankly, he has better weapons around him this year than he did last year when he was playing. So he wasn't playing healthy most of the year. Um, we weren't real explosive with the weapons we had around him. And a quarterback loves really good tight ends, and we, we, we kind of discovered Matt Bushman as the season progressed last year. Well, he's got Moroni running around out there looking phenomenal. He's got Holker looking great. He's got Nwigwe, who's lost 15 or 20 pounds and is out catching balls and blocking. Um, they can put four tight ends on the field at the same time. There's a mismatch someplace. Teams typically have one guy that can match up one-on-one on a tight end. BYU has Zane Anderson. Zane can run with the fastest tight end, and he's physical enough to play with the most physical tight end. We got one guy that can match up with an all-American caliber tight end, right? Really, really good teams maybe have two. And Sione may be able to match up a little bit, too. Most teams don't have more than two, even if they're elite teams, even like Wisconsin and, and Washington. You put four of those guys out on the field at, some, at one time, which you can do, or three guys at a time, you can find a mismatch someplace. And now, if you get one-on-one coverage with an undersized guy or a guy that's big that they can run away with, you know if you put the ball in the right spot, you can throw a tight end open. So in his mind, he's got to be thinking, I got guys that I can go to, and he's got better playmakers on the outside. Dylan Colley's raised the level of all of the wide receiver group, and they got a good group of running backs. And I like this offensive line. Young, still need to prove themselves, but physically they look great. So I think he's going to be better just because he's got more weapons. And if he's smart... He goes in, and this is advice that Steve Young gives to quarterbacks. First thing is, don't lose the game. So go out and manage the game and distribute the ball. Don't go try to be the guy that wins the game. And I felt like last year there were times when Tanner felt like he had to go out and win the game. He doesn't need to do that this year. He needs to distribute the ball, run the offense, and I think he'll be successful. Yeah, he told us specifically in an interview last week, or earlier this week, I should say, I just got to get the ball into my playmaker's hands. And he's got way more of them. He's got way more of them.
Blaine, great stuff. Great insight into what BYU faces at Arizona. I know you've seen uh, basically every practice. Um, we'll be talking to you much more, including on Saturday, as you break down the game and count down to kickoff. Countdown will be there. And you're up on the field, right? I will be there. I will right. be in. So, so between us, we'll go back heat. and forth, you and me. <laughs> yes. So. yes, we will. Okay. Blaine seems to know a lot about the football. He's very good at this. <laughs> Great job, man. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Coming up, Captain Sione Takitaki and what to expect from the defense and how the Cougars can contain Arizona QB Khalil Tate. And is this one of, if not the biggest week for BYU women's sports as a whole in recent memory? Who better than Liz Darger to join us in studio and discuss that? Look, she's in control of the women in the athletic department. She's there for a reason. This is BYU Sports Nation. Wednesdays at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio, you can get better acquainted with Cougars past and present as the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, hosts a weekly hour of in-depth conversation tonight. Greg will talk with defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki, as well as former Cougar and former sideline reporter Nate Mickle. Listen at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio. Let's keep it rolling, BYU Sports Nation, with today's headlines. BYU football season opener against Arizona goes down Saturday night, 10.45 p.m. Eastern, 7.45 local. Defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki knows all too well what the BYU defense is up against when they face Arizona quarterback and Heisman Trophy candidate Khalil Tate. I think he's capable of doing both. You know, we just got to make sure that we're sound. You start to play a little bit heavier into the run, and all of a sudden you're not as good in the pass, and, and, he, can, and he can hurt you that way as well. And it's, He showed that last year, too. A lot of the stuff that he did, um, he still beat people passing, too, just throwing the ball when you're playing too heavy into the run. Dual threat quarterback to the max. Coverage for the game on Saturday night begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the first episode of the 2018 season of Countdown to Kickoff. BYU and Wyoming have agreed to a two-game football series. The first game will be played in Provo, LaBelle Edwards Stadium, on September 24th, 2022. The second game will be in Laramie on September 28th, 2024. BYU baseball alumna Taylor Cole pitched three scoreless innings of relief in the big leagues last night, giving up just one hit, striking out two in a Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim 3-2 loss to the Colorado Rockies. Sorry, Jason, your Cardinals took a hit there. That's fine. In 11 games with the Angels, Cole currently has a 3.63 earned run average. Very respectable. Yeah, absolutely. And the USTFCCCA ranked BYU men's cross country second in the nation in the preseason polls. Women's cross country ranked 16th overall. Cougars will start the season hosting the BYU Autumn Classic on September 15th at East Bay Golf Course. Joining us now in Studio B and making her show debut is Senior Associate Athletic Director and Senior Women's Administrator Liz Darger. Welcome to Studio B, Liz. Thanks for having me. This This is a big deal. My first time here. Okay, you wear a lot of different hats, and I think maybe we need to add the unofficial Twitter photographer for BYU Sports to your credentials, right? Can we do that? You know, you know that, that goes back to my days coaching at UVU back in the day where the coaching staffs did everything. And so on the, on the road, especially, we were, in addition to coaching, we were the social media uh, team. And I just, old, old habits die hard. I, I can't get out of my system. So if I'm at a game, if I'm somewhere, I feel like I have to document it. This may be the most important question you answer. You, uh, you've been known to bring desserts. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we're wondering when bringing desserts into Studio B will become one of your favorite things. You know, that is not a bad idea. I think we should do that. We could have a little segment. We could put together put together some yes. a, a, a good lemon curd parfait or something what? like that. Liz, we I had, we had creamery it. ice cream in here yesterday. To, like, it would have been a perfect fit today. Well, let's do it. Let's right. do it. Let's get it on the lemon calendar. Lemon curd parfait with Liz Darger. <laughs> with homemade raspberry jam, barely oh, raspberries. Oh, man. Settle down. I'm Settle telling down. you. I know. It's good stuff. When is our next break? <laughs> okay. For those across BYU Sports nation um that don't know you uh what how would you define your role within byu athletics yeah it's a great question and i and i get it often i'm the senior associate athletic director and also the senior woman administrator and uh, the senior woman administrator often called the swa is a designation that that the ncaa came up with right around title nine and the reason was to make sure that there was a, a woman's voice heard when making decisions about student athletes uh that was a time when a lot of um uh, programs were combining separate men's and women's athletic programs. BYU did that very thing about, what, 13 years ago or so now. And, uh, and, and so it was to make sure that there was a woman in administration. Um, I, I, don't, I don't worry about that tag much anymore. I know my voice is very much heard in our athletic department. And, uh, and, and so I focus more on the senior associate athletic director duties. And for me, that uh, I oversee six of our sports. Um, I oversee human resources for the department, which is not my favorite part of the job. <laughs> um, I oversee gender equity in Title IX, which, which often comes with that SWA designation. And uh, I oversee student-athlete welfare, uh, which encompasses liaisoning with our academic services and career services and mental health and sports medicine and, and some of those things. And then that's, I serve on a ton of committees. Wherever Tom wants me, that's where I go. There's no way we're fitting unofficial Twitter photographer <laughs> on your file. There are not enough characters in your profile to make that happen. Well, you mentioned what wasn't your favorite part. What's the best part of your job? Oh, absolute best part is anytime I get to interact with student athletes. Anytime. And, and whether that's watching them compete, whether that's at a practice, whether that's uh, presenting to them on, on different aspects of the athletic department, whether it's in our, our SAC meetings, anytime I'm interacting with a student athlete, talking to them about their career choice, uh, just that's absolutely the highlight of the job. I think that's why all of us do it is, is to interact with the student athletes. Now, just to clarify, senior women's administrator does not mean you're over all of the women's sports. Yeah, it's a Unlike great, what you heard me say just before we went yeah, to so it's so it, and it's actually senior woman administrator, okay, okay. meaning it literally is the senior woman in the athletic department. So solo Kind spot. of a funny okay. thing, a solo spot. And so I don't, I don't officially oversee our, our women's teams. I oversee many of them, but Brian Santiago oversees many of them as well. However, uh, I have a very soft spot in my heart, obviously, for all of our women's teams. And there are certain things that I, uh, that I oversee in terms of helping to make sure that all of our women's teams have the resources they need to be successful. This is quite the week for BYU <laughs> Women's <laughs> Athletics. Holy cow. Two number one ranked teams coming to Provo. Soccer on Thursday night hosting number one ranked Stanford. And then the next night, Ninth-ranked BYU women's volleyball hosting number one-ranked Stanford. Uh, what does this week mean to BYU athletics? Oh, it is a huge, huge, huge week. And I love that we start off the fall this way. Our, our women's teams, especially in the fall with cross-country and soccer and volleyball, are typically and historically some of our most successful teams. And so to be able to bring in uh, the number one-ranked teams for soccer and volleyball is just huge. It's fun that they're both Stanford. We have great rivalries with Stanford, and, uh, and, and we have a history of having great crowds. You know, soccer's the number one attendance in the country the past three years, and uh, I, I expect no less on Thursday. And, and, and women's volleyball has an excellent following, and, and Heather Olmstead's done a fantastic job with that program. And, and so to be able for our fans to come and watch some of the best 
college soccer and volleyball in the country, but also just for our student athletes to be able to compete against the best and see how they do. And, and I really think they're going to rise to the challenge. We have incredible female student athletes here and, and, and they want that. They want to compete against the very best in the country. Liz, you've been working a lot with the uh, the NCAA Common Ground Initiative. Explain what that is and then the importance of it. Yeah, yeah, they, it, it's a really incredible initiative the NCAA started in 2014 to bring together LGBTQ advocates from around the country with athletic administrators from mostly faith-based schools, but also some private secular public schools to dialogue and try and find common ground with the goal being to create athletic environments that um, – that are safe and um, for student athletes of all sexual orientations, gender identities, and religions. And uh, BYU, we we joined the initiative a, a couple of years ago, and I've been privileged to be able to be a part of that. I've been on the leadership team of the initiative for um, about a year and a half now, and uh, it, it's a really critical conversation. I think sports is a great unifier. I think sports is an environment where we can have dialogue and discussion around sensitive topics. Uh, sports, certainly in my life, has helped me to meet people from different backgrounds and perspectives, and uh, it, it Student-athlete welfare is critical, and that is something that we all have in common. And so even if we have different perspectives on, on, on other things, we can all come together to the table and talk about how we can better support our student-athletes. Liz Darger with us on BYU Sports Nation, Senior Associate Athletic Director, Senior Woman Administrator. I've learned some things, and now I'm going to implement those changes right now. <laughs> it, it's an easy mistake to make. Most people make it. I'm never offended if I'm called the wrong title. It's all good. It's all good. I just want to focus a little bit on the entirety of the women's sports programs at BYU and just mm-hmm. have people take a step back and look at the big picture here. Soccer, yes, took a step back last year, but... They're off to a decent start. 1-1-1, one, one, and one, they played a tough schedule. It's going to get that much more tougher uh, tomorrow night. BYU women's volleyball has gone to six straight Sweet 16s. Cross-country under Diljeet Taylor is now in the top 20. Women's basketball is bringing back a wealth of talent, including uh, hopefully off of an injury, 6-7 Sarah Hampson. Uh, and then you get into softball. They go to the NCAA regional every year. They have recently been ranked as well. When did, when, and how did this become the norm for BYU to be nationally relevant in all the women's sports? Yeah, and I would add on there, you know, women's golf too. Oh man, there. women's golf! Yeah, shout with out to Carrie Roberts. Right, right. Um, and and uh, and women's track and field. Although we don't have a conference to compete in, but we look at how many we're sending to regionals there. Gymnastics, as well. top twenty five program, is probably the most on the rise program we have right now. Yeah, you know, I think so much of it has to do with our coaching staffs. And you mentioned Carrie, mentioned Diljeet, um, Heather, and and Jen Rockwood. And Gordon and, and the, the list goes on and on of these incredible coaches and they really have set a high standard that they want our programs to be nationally relevant and that's certainly what Tom wants and what we all want and then it's about recruiting incredible student athletes that that, um, that that really fit the BYU mold and that is excellence in every area and uh, and when you set that standard when you're willing to go out and play the best then then you can rise to that and that's why I give huge credit to to Heather and, and to Jen specifically this fall for scheduling really really tough schedules and sometimes, like last year with soccer, that can that can make for a hard year if it's a little bit of a down year. Uh, but but gosh, there's no better way to do it, right? If we're going to do something here, let's let's do it all the way. And our women's programs are an excellent, shining example to me of what BYU athletics is all about because these are also quality, quality women. I mean, they are just fantastic ambassadors for this university. And uh, there's there's also no better place in the country to be a female student athlete than BYU. I, I feel strongly that we give all the support uh, that, that our female student athletes can excel in the classroom, uh, excel athletically, socially 
socially and spiritually. And there aren't very many places in the country where, where I think you can do that. This is, this is one of the only ones. And if Liz wasn't busy enough, she's gone back to school. She literally does it all. She, um, do you sleep? Not, not much. Not much. But that's okay. Better, better to be busy, you know, always learning. And, 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 and I, I love my job. It's a dream job, best job in the world. BYU is the best, best university in the world. Couldn't imagine being anywhere I'm a little else. concerned about your sleep deprivation. <laughs> But it hasn't affected the uh, elite level of your lemon curd parfait with yes. raspberries. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Feeling on top of whatever you want to call it. Wait you try it. You're going to love it. <laughs> Thanks, Liz. Liz, great to have you on the show. Thanks, Thanks for so being much here. for having me. Coming up, a cougar goes four for four last night in the minors. And if you're wondering, yeah, that's pretty good. Yep. We'll tell you who coming up in the whip. And next, defensive captain Sione Takitaki tells us what he has seen on tape from Arizona quarterback Khalil Tate and how the Cougars are scheming to stop the Heisman candidate. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We were just talking about this women's soccer hosting number one Stanford tomorrow night in the home opener at Southfield. You can watch the game on BYU TV. Listen on BYU Radio at 9 Eastern. Hey, you want some fun facts about number one ranked Stanford Cardinal women's soccer? They've won 24 matches in a row, okay? That's one shy of the program record at 25. But they haven't won 25 in a row yet. Um, they've, like this year, I mean. They've trailed for a grand total of eight minutes in the past year. <laughs> <laughs> eight, eight minutes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Through two matches this year, they are outscoring their opponents 10 to 1. Over their current 24-match win streak, they've outscored opponents 90 to 7. Instead of saying eight minutes, let's break that down into seconds so that it at least sounds bigger. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know how many minutes they play? They, they play so many minutes of soccer. They've trailed for eight in the last <laughs> year. This is dumb. That's a dumb, crazy, wild stat. So what you're saying is they're struggling a yeah, little bit. B- BYU has their hands full tomorrow night. <laughs> Show up in droves. Yes. Be loud. Let's come, go, Southfield. Let's go. And that takes us to another place we want you to show up in droves, Tucson, Arizona, which leads us to our question of the day. What is your biggest unanswered question going into the 2018 BYU football season at BYU Clark on Twitter? Can this BYU team stay hungry and motivated after the September gauntlet? Nice use of gauntlet at BYU Clark. Hashtag BYUSN. Not only will they be hungry, they will be hangry. Ooh. Yep. Now I'm hungry. Him too, actually. And I'm about to be hangry, so thanks for bringing that up, I got Jason. a sandwich upstairs I'm about to eat in about They're hungry. minutes. <laughs> yes, they are, Chad Lewis. <laughs> BYU captain and senior linebacker, Sione Takitaki, uh, has been asked extensively by us and several members of the media on what to expect from the Arizona Wildcats on Saturday. The BYU defense, well, they can't know exactly what to expect when Arizona comes in with a new head coach and a new-look offense. But they think they'll be ready. I feel like what we're prepared for is what we're, what they're going to do. But, um, yeah, it's kind of difficult just knowing that they have a new OC coming over there, a new head coach that's bringing a whole new offense. So we've got to be prepared for all that and, and just be prepared for everything because we don't know if they you know, might run a whole totally different thing. But I feel like we're, we're preparing for the right thing. We'll be fine. The interesting part is, yes, the scheme may be different, but one specific personnel player will be the same and that is Khalil Tate quarterback Heisman candidate it's going to take everybody on the field to keep him in check and that's what they're trying to do trying to contain Khalil Tate 
he's a really good quarterback and um, Heisman wise, things like that. So, you know, watching film on him, he's really fast and you want to just keep him bottled up. And so I feel like if all 11 guys on the field on, on the defense side do their job, I think we'll ju- be just fine. But if, you know, he can really see where that defense breaks and once he when once he sees this one cut and he's gone. So I feel like if we do all, all our jobs, we'll be fine. The more film I watch on Khalil Tate, I, I get the impression he is a lot like Michael Vick in his ability to run. Yeah. He's slippery. Um, he can, I mean, he can just embarrass you straight up. If you're in the open field, he will get around you. He doesn't have as strong of an arm as Michael Vick and as much command on his pass game as Michael Vick did when he was at Virginia Tech. But He's absolutely 100% the runner that Michael Vick is. Well, here's the thing. I know Kevin Sumlin really wants to improve the passing attack, and they want Khalil Tate to be a better passer. But when push comes to shove, and we saw this exact same thing with Taysom. He wanted to throw the ball more and be, be more of a passer. But when, when plays break down, you go to your instincts. And just like Taysom, Khalil Tate's instinct is to run the football. So even though they want him to throw, if things break down – this guy's taken off. His ability to extend plays is very, very concerning. So that puts all of the pressure on the edges, specifically guys like Corbin Kafusi, yep. who are going to have to try and hold the edge. And that's something that Corbin struggled with last year, uh, particularly against speed. So we'll see. BYU, I'll tell you this much, they will set up the defense and invite Arizona and Khalil Tate to throw the ball. If Arizona is going to beat BYU on Saturday night, they're going to have to beat BYU through the air. Period. Like, I, I, I don't see any other way with how BYU is scheming their defense right now and what we've seen in fall camp for Arizona to run away from BYU unless they are amazing in the pass game. I think BYU is physical enough to be okay and solid enough and experienced enough at linebacker to be in good positions. Khalil Tate's going to make some big plays. Yeah. Just, okay, mark it down. He's going to make some big plays. But if he can't make enough big plays in the pass game, that's great news for BYU. Well, and to go back to when we had Blaine Fowler in, in the show a couple of segments ago, he was talking about the offensive line for Arizona and that there are, there's a, there are five new guys that are going to be playing in that game Saturday night. That should bode well for BYU. I am very interested to see what type of push they can get right from the get-go. Yeah. The Cougars are going to test Arizona. They are going to invite them to throw the ball. We'll see what happens. We'll see if Khalil Tate can do what Kevin Sumlin wants him to do, and that is expand his passing game repertoire. A couple of Cougars are listed as some of the most interesting stories in the NFL season. Who are they? We'll tell you next. And who is Harry Fry? And why does this man deserve today's rise and shout? This is BYU Sports Nation. Shout out to today's guest, Blaine Fowler and Liz Darger, Senior Associate Athletic Director. If you missed any of today's show, download the podcast. Go to BYUSN.com to view full episodes. I don't even like saying this because I'm pro Dennis Pitta, but sorry, Dennis, we, I guess, ran out of time. Let's whip it. <laughs> it's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. I'm pro Pitta. There's so much sadness in your voice. I just hate saying that. I feel like I've disappointed him. BYU football season opener is now one day closer. The Cougars at Arizona is this Saturday night, 
10.45 p.m. Eastern time is the kickoff. I will have radio pregame on BYU Radio beginning at 8.45 Eastern. Countdown to kickoff on BYU TV at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Junior Trevion Green announced on Twitter he's out for the year due to a torn ACL. He did have successful surgery. Get better, Trevion. BYU and Wyoming have agreed to a two-game football series. First game will be played in Provo on September 24, 2022. The second game will be played in Laramie on September 28th. 2024. Cougars in the NFL. Two former Cougars make ESPN's Bill Barnwell's list of the NFL's top 50 most fascinating people to watch in 2018. Lions defensive end Ziggy Ansah ranked number six. And Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian at number 10. Cross country. The USTFCCCA ranked BYU men's cross country second in the nation in the preseason polls. Women's cross country ranked 16th overall. Cougars will start the season hosting the BYU Autumn Classic on September 15th at East Bay Golf Course. Cougars in the minors. Taylor Cole pitched three scoreless innings of relief last night, giving up just one hit, striking up two in an L.A. Angels of Anaheim. Three to two loss to the Colorado Rockies. In 11 games with the Angels, Cole currently has a 3.63 earned run average. And Jacob Hanneman of the Iowa Cubs went four for four and scored two runs in an eight to three win over the Oklahoma City Dodgers. Today's rise and shout goes to Harry Fry, Jason. And Who's Harry of, Fry? Yeah, many of you are echoing that question. A member of the College Football Researchers Committee, he was the researcher who gathered votes for the committee's top 10. The committee voted BYU number one and national champion in 1983 and 1996, not to mention 84, Mm -hmm. which is recognized by Mm -hmm. most major outlets. So that, what, now gives BYU three national championships in football? That's three. Yep. Shout out to the folks in 2008 as well. That's three. <laughs> Thank you, Harry Fry. Our question of the day. Will the corn? Oh, sorry. What is your biggest unanswered question going into the 2018 BYU football season? Got ahead of myself. Yes. At Roberts Jason C on Twitter. Will the cornerbacks be able to make enough plays on the ball? And will the defensive line be able to get enough pressure on the quarterback? That echoes what uh, Blaine Fowler told us. What does that defensive front do, specifically the guys behind the ones? Yep, our elite voice of the day, OPC underscore killer. My burning question is, who will be the other three teams in the college football playoffs? Stop I it. like it. Stop Conversation it. continuing 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jason, I am Spencer. Shout out to number three, Michael Reed. We are three days away, Jason. Three days away and three national championships. Go Cougs! <laughs>